0: Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Field by Weird podcast, the only podcast to be free from the influence of the Shrouded Man. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with the creative team behind the incredible comic series Canto, David Boer and Drew Zucker. How are you guys doing today? Doing what good. an introduction. Oh smokes. <laughs> the Shrouded
1: Man in there, that was great.
0: Yeah, man. Try to make All every good. show have its own little personal touch.
1: I love it. Love it. We like it.
0: Good. I'm glad you guys are doing good. And I have to say happy belated birthday to you, David. I hope you had a good birthday.
1: I did. I was about when we were recording this it was three days ago. And then the day before that, I got nominated for a Glad award. So awesome. it's been, it's been a, it's been a week. It's been Congrats,
0: a week. Man. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So usually how I like to start these off um, is with an icebreaker question. So today's icebreaker question is: What were, what would be the ingredients on your perfect sandwich, Drew? Let's start with you, Drew. <laughs> you go first. You <laughs>
2: you were a sandwich what, what, guy. What, what whatever makes up a chicken parm?
0: Okay, perfect. Right on.
1: Oh my god. Oh man, I don't, you know what, I'm I'm an Italian meats guy. Okay. I'm a pressed meats guy. So okay. if you have about a, a quarter to a half an inch of pepperoni salami capicola top it with some provolone lettuce tomato some italian dressing on the top on a hoagie bun and actually let's end this right now because i'm gonna go make one myself
2: (laughs) do they even (laughs) sell those in la yeah
1: it's all it's all like vegan (laughs) tofu pepperoni no of course they of course they do I didn't
2: think you guys had sandwiches. You don't have bagels. (laughs) You don't have
1: pizza. We serve them open face and it's called avocado toast. So it's all the same. It's all the same. (laughs) That's awesome. What about you, Chris? What's yours?
0: You know, I'm kind of a simple man. Um, Turkey, ham, bacon, a little bit of cheese, toast that up, a little bit of honey, mustard and mayo and some lettuce. And I'm pretty much set. It's pretty, pretty simple. I'm so hungry now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, and it's almost probably dinner time for you, Drew, right? And it's late lunch for you, David.
2: Uh, my my day's been all thrown off. It's about 10,000 degrees in our apartment. Even oh, my God. It's two degrees outside. So nobody is, like, everyone's eating at weird times because nobody feels good because everyone's so dehydrated.
0: That's fair. Holy cow. Well, at least you're. The price of living
2: in a. The price of living in uh, pre-war buildings.
0: Rough, dude. That's
1: rough. Are you just burning furniture in the corner or what? Uh, (laughs) You know (laughs) what?
2: (laughs) I I may as well be at this point. No, it's our radiators. They are just, they are brutal.
1: It's either 50 or 100.
2: Well, it's great because all the windows are open and it's literally step by step, the temperature changes. And we're not talking like one or two degrees. If I step out of the bedroom, it is about 30 degrees hotter. If I step back in, it, it, it drops back down. It's, it's heinous. Oh
0: That's crazy, man. All it's right. Kind well, of
2: like how our
1: work, how our creative relationship goes.
2: Exactly. We, <laughs> we only, we only have, uh, once, uh, two speeds fast and furious,
1: freezing or engulfed in flames. That's oh, us. Man.
0: No middle ground. That's okay.
2: Nope. We're, we're, we're continually just that dumpster on fire making its way down the river <laughs> <laughs> while being two raccoons inside of it fighting
1: over a scratch. <laughs> but we call that progress.
0: Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Whatever works, man. Whatever works. All right. So, you know, with the concept of my show, Fueled by Weird, basically it's, you know, all the things that you're into, your habit, your hobbies, your interests, all that kind of stuff. Those are the things that make you who you are and what feel you're weird. So what are the things that you guys are into when, you know, when you're not creating comic books or even when you, if, if that's something that's part of it too, David, let's start with you.
1: Sure. So, um, my brain, the inside of my brain is consumed by the eighties, honestly. Okay. So I actually watch, I grew up on horror movies, Mm -hmm. eighties horror movies, um, Stephen King and, uh, cartoons. 80s Saturday nice. morning cartoons from my favorite. Right on. So, um, yeah, so what consumes my time is actually watching. I'll, I'll be writing and I'll put YouTube videos up from, they're like three-hour blocks. I don't know if you you know about these, but on YouTube, they have three-hour three hour blocks of Saturday morning cartoons from the 80s with the original commercials.
0: Fantastic.
1: You can just watch like you're, like you're back there. So it's that. I have a VCR, so I watch a lot of um, movies on original media. So on, I have a Betamax now. So nice. I watch I watch movies on the original Betamax tapes. I just think there's some there the you know this the, the texture to it yeah. just feels so different from streaming. For sure. Um yeah, I do that. I do a lot of reading and um that's my dog. Can you hear my dog on the outside? <laughs> um he's just right outside this door, just desperately <laughs> wanting to be as cool as we are. So um yeah, I was going to say, and and this morning, just prior to recording this, I played my first session of D&D.
0: Oh man, how'd that go?
1: Oh my, I just, I had no idea. So I write the Saturday morning cartoon comic book adaptation for D&D, yeah. Friday W. and I have been steeped in D&D lore, but... I never have done a campaign. I've watched campaigns be played, and but I've never done one myself because I was so afraid. Yeah, I've got to get the right group of people. And That's I true. freaking love this. We did three hours and I was like, I love everything about this. It is like real-time storytelling and yeah. creating. And I just loved every second of it.
0: Yeah. D&D is awesome. I haven't played in years. I, I would like to. It's hard to get people around my area to... Everyone wants to play. No one wants to DM. And that's the hard part, right? You always have a hard time finding a DM, but you're very right. You have to get the right group of people because I've played in groups where the DM is just awful and it makes it no fun for anyone. So you just, you have to, once you get that right set of people, it just clicks and it's magic, man. It's so much fun.
1: This was the right set. I, that's I, awesome. I mean, it's so good.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Drew, what about you? What feels you weird?
2: I, I I have no time for anything else. It's all comics. All the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's the only way this train stays on the tracks.
0: Fair, fair. Uh yeah. I
2: mean, it, I I consume an ungodly amount of media, ranging from whatever weirdo low budget horror movie has popped up in Hulu that mm-hmm. no one else has watched or is willing to watch. Uh, most likely, I've seen it. Uh, okay. To video games, books—you know—it's a pretty wide range of of media I consume. And then it's you know because drawing does. If I if I have to write anything, I can't do it. But for drawing, I can listen to whatever. So it's a lot of music. It's a lot of uh, the rabbit hole I fell down was YouTube video game retrospectives.
0: Oh, nice!
2: <laughs> and oh boy, what a! What a rabbit hole to fall down. Yeah. It's kind of like having all the bonus features from DVDs that they won't do anymore. Uh, Except now it just exists on YouTube.
0: Yeah, you can get lost in all sorts of crazy rabbit holes on YouTube. I know. Uh, Oh, yes. I'll kick a song off and I'll just be listening while I'm working. And then, you know, a couple hours later, I'm off in some Mm -hmm. genre that I've never even heard of. I'm like, this is... You know, you've always got those things that you didn't know you needed until you found it yep. and it's like, yep, this is this is exactly what I need right well, now. This is amazing.
2: It it's amazing the like the amount of just deep dives that people do on other yeah. media is just it's wild. It it is yeah. like it when I was in college, I I I was taking cinema studies for the majority of my time there. Uh effectively as my minor that wasn't really my minor but that that's all this is it's just evolution of of those classes at like a college level and it's really it's amazing that that's where this has gone because i remember when youtube was just the cat video
0: yep
1: (laughs) there's still plenty of cat videos drew
2: don't Uh, you worry
0: there is it's just
1: all on reels yeah i I discovered when so when i'm writing it's hard to I'm um, listening to music with words.
0: Oh, because uh, right. it
1: gets distracting. Yeah. yeah. I but man, 80s synth wave and vaporwave and all of these weird uh pl- like three hour, five hour, six hour blocks of just like synth 80s throwback kind of vibes to it. And there's a whole genre of it on YouTube, and I just love it's like being like in Tron. Yeah, the the movie Charm. It's
0: awesome. Yeah, for sure. I've done that with my own writing. My friend has a very strict habit of he'll listen to soundtracks in the same genre of what he's trying to write. And so I found so much weird stuff just from listening to uh, instrumental soundtracks from like Batman, the animated series and uh, Legend of Zelda linked to the past video game. It all gets kind of randomly wrapped around. But yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to listen to music without words because, yeah, you can get lost really quick.
2: Until okay. i thumbnail i i can't thumbnail and do uh audio, uh, music with lyrics uh because i'm having to reference the script too much yeah. and if you do it with with uh lyrics it just it'll mess with the flow of what you're trying to do and just yeah. yeah but i mean spotify premium youtube yep <laughs> those, oh those are the gosh,
0: two for sure <laughs>
1: freaking spotify with the uh with the commercials i i won't i can't i, I don't know how for you're doing premium it. i know and then every time a commercial comes out i'm just like what and it's just like flipped my desk and just get so angry yeah y- you and i talked about this
2: i think in new york i don't know how you're doing it because for <laughs> me spotify is, premium is probably one of the best purchases i ever made for myself 100%. only
1: because it's the most used of the bunch yeah yes. and then those commercials come on, and they're in. Those voices are like so close to your brain because they're in your ear hole. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, just kill me now. So, yeah. and then three minutes. None of them are good fine. No.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have Spotify Premium as well. We have the family plan, so yeah, because I've, I would have that same from all of the girls in my house because I'm, I'm the only guy in my house, and they'd all be like, "Why is there commercials? Make the commercials stop!" Like. <laughs> Oh, if you guys only knew commercials. Yeah, I was about to say. And I I, just want to
1: tell you. I have a surprise for you. Yeah. I just want to tell you that I am the most hypocritical person when it comes to commercials because I watch those three-hour blocks of not even cartoons, just 80s commercials. Three hours of 80s commercials, toys and cereal and Christmas and all this stuff. And I get so mad when YouTube pops in, with
0: commercials, <laughs> like,
1: who am I? At? <laughs>
0: and it seems like they're getting worse now. Like every couple oh, of minutes,
1: the, I'm like go, I'm watching go. a playlist of commercials and I'm pissed off because there's a commercial. Yeah. Yep. I'm like who am I? <laughs> it, in
2: particular, I cannot stand Adobe's commercials that pop up on YouTube. God, they're bad. I, th- this this was a Today thing. The one about leaf puns and fall
1: is driving <laughs> this... me
2: out of my mind.
1: Drew Zucker, this podcast sponsored by Adobe. Good job, (laughs) (laughs) fantastic. Good job.
2: Listen, Adobe takes my money. I think they're they're perfectly fine, and and that is the least criticism they've ever been given about anything.
0: (laughs) And in your defense, David, I think the reason why you're so upset about commercials is the same reason that a lot of people our age is upset about commercials is those old '80s commercials. They're fun. They're, you Mm -hmm. know, commercials for breakfast food. They're all the fun retro Pizza Hut and retro restaurant commercials. But now, you know, when you're older, you get all these targeted ads for medicines and for (laughs) car insurance. It's like, (laughs) what the hell? Like, why why can't you give us, like, the latest (laughs) Super Soaker technology commercial? Or why can't we have commercials for toys? Just because we're old doesn't mean we stop liking that stuff. Come on now.
1: Yeah, but, um, and it's nostalgia. It just scratches yeah. the nostalgia yeah. itch. And when the new commercials come on, I'm just like, They're so awful. give me 20 years, and then I'll watch these commercials. Yes. Fast <laughs> forward through the new commercials. And we all have the our phones implanted in our eyeballs.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You don't have your phone implanted in your eyeball? Hey, trust me, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I have to say with you, Drew, I think you're not alone in finding all those retro horror movies, like this straight release to Hulu, because my wife eats that stuff for breakfast. She loves that stuff.
2: I worked in a video store for years, which was the best job I ever had. Like, I, if,
0: I think if, that would the, be cool.
2: The most fun I ever had. I worked there when I, I think I was 16 yeah. and I worked there till it closed down and I consumed so much of that store and it was my favorite part was that because we rented things for free you would go through the horror section or wherever and just work your way through it and watch everything and that's kind of what like the the dumping ground of the streaming services has become those smaller movies that no one's heard of they tend to just get tossed up there there's no fanfare and then they just they sit around until somebody finds it and they start talking about it. But, like, it, I mean, I watch a lot of middling, mediocre stuff, for sure.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's, you know, it, it definitely scratches an itch that uh, is missing from, you know, video stores not being around anymore.
0: For sure. I never worked at a video, so I always thought it'd be cool to work there. But I worked at the uh, step so right. much fun. I worked at the step right before I worked at a movie theater for several years. And it... Yeah, there's some interesting things I could say about working in a movie theater. But yeah, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, you've got, you know, all you'll you you can go in for free and you can work your way through all the theaters and watch all the movies. But, you know, the first thing you want to do after spending 12 hours in a movie theater is not come spend more time in a movie theater. So sure. sometimes it was well, hard. It,
2: it, <laughs> it helped that I could bring them home.
0: For sure. Yeah. And
1: I did. Right. I did the same thing when I was when I was young. I just went to the horror section of the video store. And just sort of worked my way down. Um, and I was probably 10, 11, 12, maybe. And I rented Evil Dead Part 2. And I had never seen the first oh, Evil man. Dead. I didn't know what this was.
0: <laughs> wow. And
1: I watched it. I was probably like 12 or 13. And like I was just allowed to watch whatever. And the scene where the the the, the demon is popping up out of the trap door yeah. in the floor and they smash down on the trapdoor, and the uh, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. The yes. eyeball of the demon flies out across the room and goes into the screaming girl's mouth. But the way, if you watch it again, it's obviously where she spits it out, and they've run the footage backwards, and that's how they cut it in. Yep. And I paused the movie because I thought I was going to die laughing, and I rewound that scene ten <laughs> times in that moment, just watching this eyeball like go reverse into this girl's mouth and just cracking up i think my parents were home at one point like what's going on and i just couldn't get enough of it
0: (laughs) that's awesome
1: i think they did it in the new evil dead um remake too it wasn't as funny it wasn't as cute but they did the they remake they redid that scene where an
2: eyeball goes into somebody's mouth to, to be fair, that remake is one of the most violent things I've ever seen. And I'm speaking as somebody that really enjoys that remake, but uh, that, that remake definitely eliminated the camp out of it.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and then there was the new one, Evil Dead R- Rises. Yeah, that, uh, that one's a bit more of a middle ground. And I think that's the one where they did the eyeball bit. And I was here for it.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about how you guys got started in your particular line of work, or what inspired you to get in started. So, David, what was it that inspired you to start, you know, becoming a writer? Well, so
1: I've been I've been writing kind of different stuff since college, but I went to law school and I was a lawyer for seventeen years before I started oh, doing writing wow. full time. Yeah. So um it was 20 it was the fall of 2021 when I started doing this full time but prior to that I had been going to San Diego Comic-Con for like I think this is 17 18 19 years now before it became the circuit the pre-twilight days before it became insanity sure. um and I was there for TV and movies and then I was like what are these comics you speak of and I started getting <laughs> you know, into comic con sort of, yeah And I started getting into comics that way and probably around, right around the same time I started writing movies, TV, you know, trying to to start that route and then started just reading comics and and sort of writing, starting to think of ideas that could be good in comics. And that took me to like 2017. So gosh, what is that? Seven, Seven years ago now. Oh my God. Oh my god seven years ago now when i published my first um book and so since that time i've been in writing tv film comics uh and really just just loving it something that i've loved for a long time but now getting to do it full-time has been um
0: terrifyingly spectacular we'll just put it that <laughs> way that's a good example that's a, or a good explanation uh yeah. drew what was it about art that got you interested in becoming an artist
2: um I've drawn my entire life and it's just kind of what the family did. Uh, My grandmother taught art. My dad was fairly accomplished as photographer and he was pretty good illustrator. My sister's an artist, my aunt's an artist. So it, it was one of those things where I was always that proverbial, you know, good artist in high school. And then college came around. I had no interest in going to college.
0: Uh, Because
2: I was sick of school. And my parents basically told me, you're going to college. So that got me down to Savannah College of Art and Design. uh, And I saw the sequential program down there. And originally, I went down there to do toy design. But when I got down there and kind of rediscovered drawing again, uh, it let me, it, it kind of became addictive. And when I got back into it, I just didn't stop. So, I mean, it, it's always been around. It's kind of ebb and flowed uh, as far as what I wanted to do. But since, I think, my freshman year of college, it, it's been pretty clear that this is where I wanted to be. It's where I've kind of stuck around.
0: So, really, it's it's in the blood. It's the family business.
2: <clears throat> yeah. it's it, it, uh, it, uh, On my dad's side. I heard mafia. Side, um, my, my my mom <laughs> my mom never understood it until uh, until I think Canto came along. Uh, she she was she's always been had a bit of a head scratcher when it came to her kids because she's always like because we're like the joke has always been everybody in the family's right sided brain except for her. That's so it, I
0: mean, it probably would have been weird if you were the one that ended up not being the artist, you know, with everybody uh, else in front of you.
2: I th- well I yeah I think so I. I i've always kind of been the the oddball of the family uh as I, I get as, that. yeah I really so
1: family you can just lock <laughs> that
2: right off that's it <laughs> i l- listen you haven't met the extended family uh so it, it's one of those things where it's it, i remember when i was in college um uh, i think i was a sophomore and uh the first iron man came out and People ask me, like, oh, do you want to go work in film? Why don't you want to go do that? And I told them, I like the idea of being in control of what it is I'm doing, where I am literally the one-man band, and it will, you know, succeed or fail based on my abilities, whether they're as good as I think they are or not, as opposed to I I to, I worked on Iron Man, but what I did was animate his shoe or something like that. Yeah. You know, you get to have a more complete vision when you're doing comics and at the same time you do get that kind of teamwork element of it because there is a certain point of David and me work together at, but we both have our own individual tracks that we have to go on uh as far as production. So, you know, that that part of it where it's like you get to be part of a team but you also get to live and die by your own your own skills it was really appealing to me
0: that's cool now you know we're going to transition to you since you brought up canto i i was watching back your interview with my friend blake from blake's buzz shout out to blake and blake's buzz um he had mentioned he was probably the last person who had never last person in the world to read canto well (laughs) i don't think that's true because i just spent the last week reading canto getting all caught up and guys, that book is amazing. I just want to say, I'm sure you've heard it a hundred times from a million different people, but the book is so incredible. Um,
1: never from you, Chris. have we, never heard it from you. Exactly. All. And, and,
2: and we never get tired of hearing it.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible book. I just kind of want to know, you know, what, how did you come up with it? You know, what was there? Was it inspired by something? Um, tell let's take us back and tell us about the origins <laughs> of Canto.
1: I just want to say first off that I think you got a PDF electronic copy of the new dark horse hardcover.
0: I did. It's coming out. It it was um, you
1: you, uh, outside of us in dark horse. You are the only person to have seen that.
0: I feel so. That's coming in June. So
1: yeah, you you, you definitely feel special. And also if you share with anybody, we will find where you live. We will come to (laughs) Idaho. Don't worry. uh, Show up at your doorstep.
0: I'll keep it safe. Yeah, keep it secret keep it yes secret. absolutely
1: <laughs> um yeah well canto i mean started in two twenty twenty eighteen. 2018 drew 2017 2018 2018 so drew and i i had kind of had a so I, I published my first comic in 2017 and i kind of on social media got connected with drew in some way and i liked what he was doing on something the house right drew yeah which now, in a moment of perfect uh, universe symmetry, the house is now published by Dark Horse, so I saw his work on the house on the horror book and i and I really liked it and I reached out to him because I was doing a short uh, in an anthology, and I asked if he was available and he it's like, new computer, Who <laughs> Who <New computer, new laughs> um, no, no, no. He was really nice with, you know, trying to finish the house. And then once that was finished, he reached back out and he said, he pulled open a drawer. And what was in that drawer since 2013, Drew? Ah, Canto. Exactly as is. The book he read is, is exactly what came out. Oh, Wow. <laughs> no
2: not even even remotely so what was in that drawer tell them what was in that drawer so audience wants to know so so back in 2012 2013 uh i i did this sketch of what would become canto and it was really just a it was a challenge to myself because i was doing the house and the house was this you know, World War II horror story. So it's all historical drawing. And I wanted to see if I could do something that was cuter or something that was totally different and would potentially have more mass appeal than what I had been doing. So I did this drawing and I had a a blurb and a rough idea of what the story would be for this character. And the idea was always that it was Wizard of Oz meets Dante's Inferno but all ages in the way that it it truly could appeal to kids and adults. Um, and then it went in the drawer and it sat there and David comes along who I sent him the the little blurb I came up with along with the drawing and he just ran with it and kind of the, exactly.
1: The, <laughs> yeah, the best- I crumpled it up and threw it out and I was like, this is what we're going to do. But, I when I got the when I got the the character sketch sketch in my inbox, I thought it's within half a second of seeing it. I, I Chris, I thought I don't know who this character is. I don't know what the story is, but we are definitely telling it. I just saw so much. So, I, I connected with the character as it was designed. Plus, I saw that there was so much commercial potential for this character. It was just exactly yeah. the kind of thing that I wanted yeah. to do. Um, so we started collaborating on that idea. I'm, I'm a big Wizard of Oz fan, and we sort of pushed it more um, quite sort of in all ages direction. And there was one choice that we made for the story that I think made all the difference in the world, which is um, we created this quest for him, but the quest he's going on is not to help himself. It's to um, save the heart of his beloved because his race of people, they have clocks in their chests because they've been enslaved and the, the entity that's, that's taken them captive has removed their hearts and replaced them with clocks. So Canto um, K- loves this little clockwork girl and her clock gets damaged. And now he's got to go fi- in this great big fantastical adventure has to go find where their hearts have been taken. He's got to bring her heart back to safer. And so many times, especially early on, we, it, you know, folks would, would tell us that it's, it was that quest about him doing something for somebody else that really made people connect with him Mm -hmm. as a character and with the story so I just think back to that moment when we when we decided to do that and I'm so glad that we did because he would not be the character that he is if that quest was for to help him rather than somebody else
0: yeah that's awesome and you know with the theme of hope I mean there's there's a lot of themes that have been woven into the story like you mentioned but it seems to me the one that stuck with me the most is the theme of hope where, you know, even between, uh, the hollow men spoilers, I'm not going to spoil anything. I promise, you know, with all the different adventures with the hollow men and the clockwork clockwork fairies and all of that, it seems like, you know, no matter the extreme hardship or the overwhelming odds that are presented for him, he always seems to see the bright side of things. He always stays positive. He always stays hopeful. No matter what you throw at this guy, he never seems to get discouraged. He's always like, you know, he acts like the uh like he's bigger than he really is and he's you know he still is able to overcome the odds no matter what. How how does he keep it up? How does I mean I know it's something you guys write and it's because you guys want him to be that way, but how how I don't even know how if I'm describing this the way I want to say, but basically how does he keep up, you know, his good spirits without ever being discouraged? Because there's
1: no parallels at all. Between that and how we all feel about the real world right now, not yeah. no <laughs> reflection, no kidding. But I hear what you're saying. Is like how yeah. how you know how do we as as people in the world where you know things aren't things aren't great and uh, you know how do we keep up hope? How do we keep up courage? And I think it's really interesting. <clears throat> By the end of the Shrouded Man Saga, which is the five volumes that we're mm-hmm. doing for Kanto, you're going to see an evolution of his character from what I call naive courage which is the courage to go out and do something not knowing what the odds are, not knowing what's ahead of you, not knowing the dangers that are gonna be out there. By the end, he's gonna have all this experience. He's gonna have gone on these adventures and seen all this and lost people and just really experienced a range of emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's not naive anymore. And then he's gonna grow into this character that now makes the choice, knowing what's out there, to hold on to hope, to hold on to courage and that sort of thing. And that's what I think, that's that's what speaks to me about his character is that we may not know what's out there and it's almost easier to have hope when you don't know what's out there. And it's harder to have hope when you do. And so that's what I think the message I would love folks to to, to take at the end of this entire big saga is you may know the odds in front of you, but it's more important when you know them to, to hold on to the hope and courage and keep moving forward with it.
0: That's good. Drew, what do you think? The writer is very (laughs) eloquent about
2: it. I'm not following it up.
1: That was pretty good.
0: Agreed. I agree.
1: (laughs) And then, of course, there's like the practical aspect of it, Chris. I'll just add this. You know, he's a little character, he's like three feet tall in real life. So he's about the size of a six year old, seven year old. Um, And we love Drew, you know, you can, you can, I, I'm sure you agree with me. We love playing with that size difference. So, mm-hmm. there's one storyline in City of Giants where Tiny Canta goes to the big giant, you know, the city where the giants live. And then there's the Clockwork Fairies where Tiny Canta is, you know, basically even tinier fairies. So, playing um, on the size difference, it also kind of like we all at times feel small in a big world. And especially kids, they feel overwhelmed. So to have this little character they can identify with, I think it's really has been such yeah. a fun experience for me and Drew.
0: That's so cool. And the Giants, oh my gosh, they're amazing. I, I'm kind of a sucker for kind of characters who kind of portray themselves as, you know, the little bit slow or kind of dumb, just the big, dumb root characters. And so the Giants, I just absolutely love them. And to not spoil anything, I have recently read the part where the Giants were up to here. And I'm very excited to see what happens after that.
1: Oh, it's in the City of Giants, oh. yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, Kanto went on his quest with the witch, and I mean, that's all I'm going to say about it. They came back, yeah. and she made a promise. And so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Because, you know, as much as I love Kanto, those giants are are incredible. So I really can't wait to see how that story progresses. I'm very excited. Um, Silence oh,
1: on our end. Silence. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, probably fine. I kind of just want to, yeah. That's where, I, without spoiling anything, that's about as far as I've gotten. But I, yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. <laughs> um. So you We're guys have had you there.
1: We're taking you there. I'm, Don't I'm, you worry. I'm excited. You're, you're
2: you're headed towards uh. I think after City of Giants, the end game kind of begins to uh, set up. Because Lionheart, it's after, right? What's that? Lionheart Lionheart comes after Giants, yes.
0: With uh, yeah, with uh, mechanical Kraken, yeah. I've got, I've read that part too. That part was super awesome. I really, I really like that part.
1: Yeah, we are not not spoiling anything. Yeah, we are in the midst of the creative on a place like Home, which is the final volume of the Shrouded Man saga, and it's where. We are actually in the moment where so many of those threads that we have been weaving throughout the story are coming back to fruition. Yeah. To I, I am
2: having to spend a lot of time with our older work, which is very weird uh, to okay. have to go back to. Uh, there's stuff I, I drew the thing. There is a ton of stuff I forgot. I <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I'm ex- I'm excited to see more, but I'm at the same time I'm upset knowing that the end is coming but that's that's or, it,
1: or a, is it oh, or is true it?
0: true 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 <laughs> okay so um you know you guys have had canto at iew for a very long idw for a very long time and now you guys are switching to dark horse how did you guys make the decision to switch from your longtime home to your new home
1: we waltzed in the door at dark horse <laughs> and we said don't you know who we are like, <laughs> security <kind of. laughs> security um no we had a we had a 5 year license with idw and it was coming to be due uh, to expire and it was going to expire in the middle of creating this new this last story arc so we just had a conversation with them and we decided that um and we had a conversation with dark horse and dark horse came in and they've um committed to doing card covers which is one of our major priorities was to get all of these volumes published in hardcover. Um, They committed to uh, doing the last story arc with us. And then there's other things that uh, will be revealed in time, but honestly, Drew and I have worked on separate things with dark horse and it just, uh, I mean, Drew, maybe you can uh, chime in. I felt like it was a a natural fit. It, it, It was, you know, we we had a
2: moment where we we did take it around to kind of see what else might be out there, uh, mm. just to do our due diligence on it. Sure, but just the the level of creative support we've gotten from Dark Horse throughout this process has just been amazing. Um, they're they're so committed into into you know making a great book, but also. Let in knowing that we have our own dynamic in, in terms of how we actually produce the book. And they're very hands-off and just like, listen, as long as you guys are producing it, go, go over there and do your thing, which has been, which has been great because, you know, I'm sure David's got this too, as you kind of wander out into other, other publishers, other creators you work with, the dynamics change, and some publishers want to be a little more hands-on. Some of them want to give notes because it's licensed material. You're dealing with different editors. There, There is something to be said for that level of just you know, a vision that is from the two of us, and yeah. it is just us being left alone to do our thing, which is really nice to be able to come back to.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, and from Dark
1: Horse's perspective, I'm sure that they love this because... I, yeah, our editors love love Canto. They loved Canto mm-hmm. when it was at IDW, and also they could bring this project on without having to knowing that we are just like we're going to produce it. We're just gonna we're get, we're gonna keep going, and we would have kept going even without IDW if we just were on our yeah. own. Because yeah. I mean, that's just we just just kind of are in a routine and, and sort of have you know we're, we know what we're doing at this point, so. I think they're very happy to to see us just keep doing it. it, it,
2: It's funny because before we got picked up by IDW, I remember we had a conversation about just doing this on our own anyways. Uh, So that's always been the mindset is just, you know, well, if no one wants to do it with us, we'll just do it ourselves and we'll put it out there.
1: Yeah. We love this story so much that if 2018, we would have put it out Kickstarter or just published it on our own. Because we just believed in it so much.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, you know, a Geek Network. We're a big fan of all comic book companies, but Dark Horse has a special place. So we're we're very excited to see you guys continue with Dark Horse and and see what's to come. We're very excited.
1: Yeah, Drew and I have a relationship outside of it. Like I mentioned, Drew um, it has the house with with Dark Horse, which is a fabulous horror graphic novel that everybody should read. We talked about it at the beginning, I, right? I, I agreed. You should read it. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about horror at the beginning, and it's yeah. like you just gotta find these gems out there and, and consume them if you're a horror fan. And
0: yeah,
1: then I do yeah. uh and then I do Killer Queens with uh Dark Horse, which is a big fun sci-fi romp. So very cool. It it, it helps that our that they've seen
2: from us that we can take projects from start to finish.
0: Oh I'm sure. Uh,
2: you know, and then We get to do these, you know, Canto is kind of the primary thing where we put a a lot of effort, but then we get to occasionally peel off and do these other, you know, passion projects that we both have, which is really nice.
0: That is nice. And speaking of that, you know, I wanted to kind of talk to you guys a little bit about what's coming next. Speaking of, you know, separate passion projects, I hear that you guys have been working on a Monsterverse comic and that Canto may be adapted into a movie.
1: I don't know who, what you're talking about. I <laughs> don't you know where these rumors keep coming from. It's <laughs> so, Yeah, Drew and I are collaborating on um, uh, Legendary. Is, Pub- Legendary Comics is publishing MonsterVerse Declassified, which is an anthology uh, book. In each story, uh, my understanding is each story is going to focus on one of the Titans. Yep. And so I think it's public, right? True. Yes, we'll it is. On? Okay, so we're yeah. working on no. So it is out there now. We're working on Tiamat <laughs> together, which is, which is fabulous because Tiamat is
2: just, just the best.
1: She's That's the best. so cool. Right, Drew?
2: Oh, Tiamat. Uh, <laughs> favorite part about doing this was I turned in – They Legendary asked me for sample pages uh, just so that they had something for the Kickstarter. I did it. I turn them in, and they go, well, it has to go to the mythology team, so we'll get back to you. I'm like, the what team? What, what's oh, a mythology team oh man so yeah and then the, the I,
1: pitch yeah
2: so i'm like i i remember telling my editor i was like whoever designed tiamat hates artists that that's what i came up with <laughs> i was like this this was designed to be cruel but i get my notes back from mythology i'm like please please don't ask for major changes please don't ask for major changes and they come back and go yeah, they they just want to know if you can do a little less detail on the head i'm like yes yes i can do that four notes fantastic you got it we're in let's do it
1: and on my end i'm like what can i do in this story that will emotionally destroy drew having to draw and that's what i do oh man it's his favorite it's Um, his favorite pastime oh wow yeah, so we we got that. We got the MonsterVerse uh, story. We we just uh, wrapped up a Zoop campaign. Zoop is like a Kickstarter, yeah. crowdfunding for a one-shot horror uh, story called "The Feeding," about uh, a man who's like a womanizer. He's a um, drug user, a day drug trader, kind of just like you know, kind of a douchebaggy person. But you find out that he's actually like that because he's psychologically dealing with this. Um, it turns out to be a painting that has haunted him all, all his life. Mm. And this painting actually eats people oh, and wow. has shown back up in his life. And now he's got he's to deal with it. He's got to face it now. So it's a very much a, um, like uh, cabinet of curiosities, tales from the yeah. crypt kind of creep show-esque type story that we collaborated on, super excited about that. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully we're gonna it. do
2: more of those down the road at some
1: point. It's like it a one shot. It's a one shot forty yeah. page horror story.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, so about the Canto movie, what can you tell me about that? Are there any updates that we can share?
1: Um, not at this stage, just that it's still in it's it's in okay. development as, Fair enough. as a lot of these projects are. Um yeah, but we're hopeful on it and uh, we'll see where it goes.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Hey, I had to ask Jackie told me I need to ask you guys if there's any kind of an update we can share. So
1: Oh, yeah.
0: That's that's all right. Very cool. Jackie wants the scoop. Jackie wants the scoop. So here I am. I got this. I got as much of a scoop as we can get, and that's okay. We'll take it for sure. All right. So so,
2: that's that's usually our scoop.
0: Hey, that works. That works for me. So, you know, just kind of wrap things up. um, What kind of advice would you guys have for, you know, up and coming creatives, maybe someone who, has been kind of shy to get out there in the creative world and kind of, you know, share themselves with the world. What's what's some advice you guys would give?
1: Well, the two things I would say is, one, go to comic conventions, meet people, network, because that's the, I, I did that for 10 years before I even started trying to make comics. And, you know, knowing folks who want to see you succeed is really important. And then also put your work out there. Do not let any gatekeepers tell you that you shouldn't be publishing your work so if something doesn't go to a traditional publisher, it doesn't mean you can't put it on your own website. You can't put it on your social media. Create freaking Instagram page that's just a comic. You know, there's so many ways for you to get your work out there, and that's how you're going to get them to the next step and wherever you want to go.
2: It's good advice. Uh, study. Don't don't just do a lot of work because doing a lot of work does not equate. To you, doing good work. Um, do un- look at other things and understand why it is that they work, and then implement them, and then practice that implementation. And then the other one is like David said: you know, don't be afraid to put the work out there. Uh, if you're, you know, th- this is not an industry where anyone is here to hold your hand. Uh, you you have to kind of be willing to do it on your own. And, you know, no one's going to advocate for you, but, you know, so you got to be willing to go out there, do the work and put it out there for everyone.
0: Yeah, you definitely have to be your own cheerleader. That's good advice. For sure. Yep. All right. Well, guys, I want to thank you for being here today. I want to also give you a minute to kind of plug yourselves. Where can we keep up to date with, the monster stuff and anything with Canto and anything with the house and any other cool project you guys have coming. Where, where can we keep up with you? Um, you
1: can find me mostly on Instagram at David M. Boer. Uh, I, I post on Facebook. Uh, I do a lot of whatnot streaming at David Boer. If you're on whatnot um, and keep, keep an eye out. I have Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning adventures. Volume two is coming out. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it's actually coming out. In just like three days issue one so it's this week and then um i'm very excited because i get to i i got to do i, I got to play in the ghostbusters universe so ghostbusters back in town number one is coming out at the end of march very right cool. just right in the same time as the new movie is coming out so again that was with dark horse so um that relationship runs deep and i'm very excited about that
0: that's awesome drew what about you yep.
2: Uh, I am on Instagram at Art of Drew Zucker, and it's the same username for whatnot. Uh, You can pretty much find me on any social media. It's usually Art of Drew Zucker. And uh, yeah, uh, Canto is mainly what I'm doing right now. So we will be out in June for Volume uh, 1, and we should have announcements coming for uh, A Place Like Home very
1: soon yeah so. I should have mentioned I should have mentioned that it's available available for pre-order right now is yeah, all, our, our first, all,
2: all, all four volumes are available the first, for
1: pre-order yeah the first four volumes of the hard covers from Dark Horse and then we haven't solicited it yet but um, the mid-year this year like June time is going to be issue one of um, the last volume in Place Like Home and we've seen all the covers so far and they are Everybody needs to get every cover because they are
0: just chef's kiss. Awesome. That's cool. Well, I followed you guys earlier today on Instagram, so I can keep up to date with all of your stuff. And you know, we're, we're in touch with dark horse. So hopefully we'll be hearing all that stuff coming out and we'll get some reviews for your guys' stuff up on our website.
1: That'd be great.
0: Speaking Thank of you. our web. Speaking of our website, you can check us out at geek-network.com, all sorts of interviews like this, reviews, and all sorts of nerdy news goodness for to scratch that nerdy itch. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GeeksAZ, Geek Network on Facebook. Um, you can find this show at Fueled by Weird on Instagram. I'm CD is weird on Instagram. You can also check out Geek Network Media. It's a brand new social we made on Facebook and Instagram to follow updates on all the podcasts on our network. We've got... A bunch of shows for everyone, all different kinds of genres. So come check it out and find a show that you'll love. Um, the music for this show is by the band Polygon Horizon. You can check them out on Bandcamp. They're a great band. Uh, make sure you go check them out. Uh, the logos for this show are done by my friends Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher. Go find them on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll put their tags in the show notes. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends because word of mouth is our friend. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that feel you're weird and always geek responsibly. You guys, thanks so much for meeting with me today. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having us.